Well, Josh, nobody says they don't get their money's worth with stupid church people. I mean, here we are on three days rest, and and we are back. Oh yeah, we are. We're we're going a little yeah, crazy some, this week, and with some kick-ass head-banging music. Even. That's right. Yeah. Baby. Now today we've got Tony Jones with us. We'll get to Tony in a second. I I'm um I'm a little under the weather. Tony thought that it's God's judgment on me for labeling him <laughs> stupid church person of the year, but uh, I told him that God is after me for more important things than calling him. Uh, stupid church person of the year. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit later. So, uh, so Josh, we should get into it, introduce Tony, and then let's get right to it. What do you say? Yeah, go ahead. Are you all for that, my friend? I'm for about everything right now. Mm, mm, that. that was deep. Hey, what do you think, Tony? Yeah. By, deep, deep. <laughs> hey, by the way, um, I, I disagree totally with the last title of the podcast. I want to go on record as saying I have nothing to do with these, and I'm feeling quite upset that my own friend would do that to me. So you don't thanks. think you're gay? I, you know, I know I'm not gay. I know I'm stupid, Steve, but I Steve, know I'm not gay. Steve, dude, Steve. <laughs> hey, hey, let's get to Tony, okay? Let's leave okay. you and I's personal lives out of it right now. All right. All right, so here's the, here's the pro- official bio. We want to introduce Tony in a correct and professional manner to show that we can. So here it is. Tony Jones. Tony is the national coordinator. Quarter- okay, let me start over. <clears throat> that was... Yeah, this official thing is really working out for you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> one, one more chance. Here we go. Tony is the national coordinator of Emergent U.S. and a doctoral fellow and senior research fellow in practical theology at Princeton Theological Seminary. He is the author of five, count them, five books, including Postmodern Youth Ministry, Exploring the Cultural Shift, Cultivating Authentic Community, Creating Holistic Connections, and the Sacred Way, Spiritual Practices for Everyday Life. Tony lives with his wife, Julie, and three children in Adina, Minnesota. Adina. He was born, wait, he was born March 31st, 1968, so that makes you how old, Tony? Uh, 37. All right, cool. Well, you had to think? <laughs> I can't remember if it's 37 or 38. Uh, well, cool, man. Well, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, I think my we're, pleasure. Yeah, Cool. So let's start with some things that uh, Josh, I think, right off the bat had a great question. Yeah, I have a great question um, just to see if we're on the same board here. Um, Tony, what beer do you have in your refrigerator right now? Dude, I'm too, for, I'm too poor to afford to have beer in my refrigerator. Not even not. Paps Blue Ribbon? Dude, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I used to, when I was a pastor, I used to have beer and wine in the house all the time, but that was when I had a salary, but now I have no money, and no, we do not buy it. We We get free alcohol whenever we can, but we really? don't buy it. I love <laughs> so you, free alcohol. It actually tastes better. It's not in the budget. <laughs> so you were, so you've had to, you were forced to detox to do emergent yeah, yes, right now. <laughs> so, hey, you, were listen, you said you were listening to the last podcast when I called you. Yeah, I listened to like the first five minutes. Is all I okay. got. Okay, you, you didn't get to the you didn't get to the uh, to the tracks part where we did a drama, did you? No, a drama. Yeah, we did a whole drama. Oh yeah, we're fast like, Tracks is in like the four spiritual laws tracks. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of chick tracks? Oh, dude, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we I did a. To, re- I went to. I went to seminary in Southern California, dude. So we definitely had chick tracks. So we did a we did a uh, dramatic reading of the birds and the bees. Um, are you are you familiar with that one? No, is it online? Yeah, you got to go there and and read it. And what chick, you can do chick tracks. Yeah, chick dot com. Don't go to chicks dot com, brother. Or you'll get flamed by your wife when she gets home. 
Yeah, chicks.com, it doesn't work. We have work. our own separate computers. So she perfect, perfect. <laughs> you go to chick, you go to chick.com. Wait, and then how do you, you spell chick? C-H-I-C-K. This is thrilling for your listeners, I'm sure. No, no. So when you listen to the podcast tonight, I'm sure you will right after we hang up, um, go and, <laughs> and listen to our dramatic reading and read along with the birds and the bees so you get the visual. It's, it's okay. quite inspiring. I'll so, definitely do that. So, hey, man, have you finished your Ph.D.? No, dude. How far you got to go? Um, like... Probably two to three years. Oh. Um, it's like a five. It takes most people at Princeton five or six years. Right. I, I'm, it, there's two years of coursework. You take courses for two years, and then you take your comprehensive exams, which I've passed. Mm-hmm. And then you write your dissertation. The faculty... Uh, just rejected my dissertation proposal last Wednesday, so <laughs> I have to. How'd that feel? Write another one. How'd oh, you know, feel? that's the deal. It's Princeton. They would never, you know, they God forbid, they would let it go through the first time. They gotta, they gotta keep us little PhD students in our place. Now, why Princeton though? Like, why not, why not some somewhere else? Because they asked me to come there. And oh, PhD cool. There. Sweet. Yeah, I wasn't. I was just looking for a change. From I was a I was a youth and young adult pastor at my home church for seven years, and time the time had come to move on. People on the staff of my church seemed to, whereas they at one time thought that all my innovative ideas at staff meeting were really energizing, it seemed that they had grown weary of my ideas. Hmm. So it was time for me to go and. Uh, so I was just I was looking for something else to do, and then Princeton uh, a faculty a couple faculty members at Princeton basically recruited me, and so Julie and I talked about it and decided, hey, this is a great idea, let's do it. Great. Little well, did we know, you know. Little yeah. did we know. Little did you know. Well, we've got some uh, to show you how prepared we are. We've actually written out some questions and we've given it some thought before we talk to you. Come on. So no, seriously. So yeah, we gave it thought. We we took about five minutes and uh, we scribbled some stuff down. <laughs> about five minutes ago, I emailed Josh a list of things that I'd scribbled down. <laughs> so, um, so tell us about your family, your wife, kids. Tell us about Julie and kind of, I mean, if, however much you want to get into. I understand that you're like broadcasting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Web. Julie, Julie and I um, have been married since uh, April of '97. Um, right. We met. At uh, I guess we met at a Christmas party, so it's probably, let's see, that that's gonna be nine years, eight. So we probably met like, ten or maybe eleven years ago. We met. I was running a youth mission organization at the time called Youth Works. And, youth uh, Works. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm familiar with that. Heard of that? Yeah. We um, she I hired her to work on the Wind River Indian Reservation, and uh, <coughs> we ended up hanging out a lot that summer um and then you know one thing led to another we got engaged got married very quickly um because ah. she definitely would have dumped me if we would have like had one of those <laughs> 18 month engagements right there's no way we'd be married now she would have she, she yeah i just know i absolutely know for a fact and actually if she were on this she would say yes i definitely would have dumped him if we would have had a long engagement but i 
Hooked her into the whole covenant of marriage thing, so there was no out. She couldn't break up with me. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> we got three little kids. Tanner is five, and he's in kindergarten. And I'm going on uh, Tuesday to the Richardson Nature Center. Mm. His class for a field trip. Which, you got to remember, here in Minnesota, dude, it's like the high today was six degrees. Tonight it's going to get down to like 10 below. And we're going to be out at the Richardson Nature Center looking at, you know, uh, ice, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) white. Kids in Minnesota, they go, they go, you know, they go on field trips, even if it's freezing out. And then uh, we got a four-year-old named Lily. And I'm going to her class tomorrow. She's in like pre-K, preschool. And then I'm going to this mom's meeting, this mom's group that Julie's a part of. Because Julie's in Mexico right now at a spa doing yoga, and I'm solo with the kids for five years. Mr. Mom. And then uh, Aiden is 15 months old, so he's the real handful. Oh, wow. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, we're freezing our asses off here. It's 49 degrees, so. Oh, that's rough, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's really worse. (laughs) Yeah. So, Josh, what's up? What you got? You got something there. So I'm, I'm just, just wondering. We're just kind of going down the script here. Yeah, yeah. Josh. So what it. does your wife think about your involvement with Emergent? Um, she goes back and forth between thinking um, it's all about um, me pumping up my ego and thinking it really could be the salvation of Christianity in North America. So she vacillates <laughs> between the two. Yeah. <laughs> both poles. Uh she, yeah, yeah. I mean, at times she's like, "Come on, would you get a real job? This is freaking crazy." You, you know, you, I, we've, I've taken my family into massive amounts of debt over the last two years between this little emergent experiment and this little PhD funhouse, and uh, so there's some definitely some familial pressure to go get a real job. Um, but on the <laughs> other hand, she, she really also really believes in emergent. I mean, we go to a very, we could, I don't think we could ever go back to a conventional traditional church. At least Mm -hmm. we couldn't right now. And, um, it's not necessarily because of me. It's because she would never go back. Like I've tried to get her to go back even to our, my fan, you know, this home church that I go to that all my family goes to and everything. And she just, Mm -hmm. just won't do it. She's like, I can't go. We can't go back to a church that thinks of the faith in those conventional ways. Well, and and all that being said, you know, do do you feel that emergent then is a call on your life? Like, how explain how that works for you? Uh, you know, I guess I fell into it really. I mean, I pursued it too, but I surely didn't think it was going to turn into this. You know, Brian McLaren, who's a great, uh, very close friend of mine, and and just a wonderful, incredible guy. And, and your co-winner, your co-winner. And my okay. co-winner, I don't think he even knows it, actually. I haven't <laughs> told him yet. He's, we'll he's tell not him much of one for reading the blogs. We send our love. I'll, I'll be sure to forward him a link. Uh, he has been saying, he, he's this, he, he, the guy's just, as you can imagine from all the kind of heat he takes, he's really brilliant and forward-thinking and things like that. But he he would say things, you know, five years ago, like, you guys, this is really going to hit. This is, you know, I've been talking to people and we're just around the corner from, you know, making an impact. Or he would say, he said right at the turn of 2005, a year ago, this is going to be the year of, this is going to be the year we start really taking criticism. We start really taking heat. We're all like, 
Give me a break. Nobody even gives a crap about a merchant. We're just some stupid little thing. You know, we don't sell any books. We are totally unorganized. We can't even return people's emails. He's like, no, seriously, this is going to be the year. Hmm. And so um, there were others, I think, who thought this really had the potential for being something. I honestly, I, I was not in that camp. I, I, I didn't. So is it a calling? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's a calling only because I I've I've been totally caught off guard by it, you know. Uh, and and now I I don't know. Well, I I have no idea. As you guys, I know you listen to the um the Out of Fellowship podcast, and I said it on there, and it's I just we could be not around in five years. That that's totally within the realm of possibility, and it's something we talk about quite often. That this whole thing could be over and five years and everyone will go god remember those emergent guys whatever happened to those guys yeah <laughs> so do you think or it could be some massive denomination with a headquarters in Edina, <laughs> minnesota and a you know four-story building with 83 staff people yeah could be doubt it <laughs> so do I, you th- I won't be i won't i won't still be around if it is I'll <laughs> good do you uh do you feel that you're disillusioned with the church well, the church, you know, I guess you'd have to qualify the church like um, I'm not disillusioned with um, the church that I think about. I mean, there's a there's a church in my dreams that I'm not at all disillusioned with, and I see glimpses of that church. I saw it tonight when I was at my church at Solomon's Porch in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um and I see glimpses of it when I go back to my home church, which is a big white steeple, you know, mini mega church in Minnesota. And I, I just see it all. I see it all over the place. So I'm I'm not disillusioned with the church in that way. And I guess I'm less disillusioned now, probably, than I was when I was on a church staff, hmm. because I don't have to deal with that shit of staff meetings where you argue about um, <laughs> the coffee policy because the AA group isn't cleaning the coffee pots well enough. You know, right. stuff like that, it drove me insane when I was on a church staff. I, I thought, this has this, this, this has so little to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ that it's actually sinful that we're spending time talking about it. Well, and that's why we wanted to start with some of these questions, because in our minds, we wanted to find common ground with you, you know, and, yeah. and that was part of the reasons I'm at, we're kind of asking some of these questions, because it sounds like you've been where we've been in many ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being on a church staff was a, a very frustrating experience for me, and some of that I attribute to my personality. I mean, I, I think I have a very difficult personality. That's another thing that my wife would uh, definitely affirm. <laughs> um, and I just push, 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 push. And these, I don't think the church in general, uh, attracts people. Seminary, uh, seminaries don't attract people and churches that are hiring staff members don't particularly attract people who push like that, who are entrepreneurial and want exciting new things to happen. They may want it kind of, and kind of a, foggy, fuzzy, nebulous kind of way, but not in the way that they're ready to, you know, sacrifice well, they, their left nut to get it. Well, they say they, they say they want it, 
but when you start doing it, it's it's a different, it's a totally different issue, you know. Yeah, there's a lot to lose. This is, I mean, here's what I'm disillusioned by about the church. Is that, and this is, this is inevitable, according to Max Weber and the, you know, the great founder of sociology. Right, right. That churches. I was a sociology they, major, dude. So oh, you, all right, dude. So you know. Now about we're going. The, ready? Here we go. Princeton. Okay. Prin, uh, PhD phrase coming at you. Routinization of the charisma. Exactly. I, I talk about that often. <laughs> this, this is. Does he, Josh? Oh yeah, he does. Josh, uh, you weren't in, even you were you were at the fridge getting another beer right now. <laughs> no, no, I'm only halfway done. I'll I'll let you guys know when I'm running for a <laughs> new one. The, the routinization of the um, charisma of the charisma. Okay, so go what, for it. What what Weber says is any time there's a kind of a religious spiritual type of movement that's that's among the people that before long certain people will grab for pow- the power in it and they will commodify this these ideas these spiritual ideas and they will become the purveyors of religious goods and services they're called the clergy in Christianity exactly, and they'll yeah. then say to people oh you can have this oh you can have that oh you can take communion oh, oh you can't take communion oh you know I'll pray for you and you know what I'm saying I mean this is what happens and then institutions grow up to protect the charisma or the, the movement of the spirit, um, bureaucracies develop around that. And, and in theory, the, I mean, uh, it, it, the, no, one's do, no one's malicious about it. No one's no, trying no. to screw up God's kingdom. But, they, but the natural human tendency seems to be that we routinize things, right? We commodify them and we bureaucratize them. But, but isn't that exactly problem, what you're what you're doing a little bit with emergent? You know, the the question for us is whether it's inevitable or not. Whether Weber was right that it's it simply is inevitable or it's not. We're trying to do something that has almost completely has an open hand. So mm-hmm. we the only reason we would organize something is to make it available to more people, not to say you can't have it or you're not you can't be part of emergent. We don't want to draw lines between emergent and non-emergent. We want mm-hmm. to just make this thing available to as many people. It, it's like open source, right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. having a free podcast on iTunes that you can anyone can subscribe to. Now, well, I guess you could say, well, you've got to have a computer with iTunes to be able to hear stupid church people or whatever. So, you know, but, but you do what you can to make it open and available to as many people as possible. And we, so, and we, we battle that also, also because, you know, a lot of people, uh, it, I, we talk about it not in those same terms, but we do say, I, I do believe it's sociologically impossible for people not to organize, for people not to, to create a group and then strategize on the way to effectively reach each other's needs and help each other along. So, yeah, uh, and I, I, I'd like to think that one of the one of the learnings of postmodern theory is that if you are aware of the human tendency, like the human tendency to bureaucratize and organize and things like that, you can at least um, 
mollify it. You don't have to be totally captive to it. So the fact that we organize somewhat, but the but we're also uh, really cognizant of the fact that we are organizing, and we and that that means we can push against it at at, at every turn. Now maybe hmm. we'll be unsuccessful at that, but at least we're going into it with our eyes open. We're not saying like, oh yeah, we're the first. We're going to reinvent the wheel here. We're we're a, a we're a, a reformation movement within the church that may or may not be successful. There have been reformation movements within the church in every century for the last 2000 years. And mm-hmm. we're one of many reformation movements going on right now in the church across the planet. So, th- so, so I have a question um, that yeah. I think many people have, and it's just what makes a church emergent? Uh, if that church wants to be emergent, Oh, and then they they just automatically become emergent. No, but I mean, you if you want to be emergent, we we don't we haven't trademarked the name or the idea or the identity. If you want to be emergent, if you want to emerge from what you think the church has been into what you think God has for the church in the future, be emergent. Now, I know that then like what church wouldn't want that? Every church yeah. wants to emerge <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. God's. Every church wants to emerge into God's future for it. But we're, we're proposing, I think, a different ecclesiology, a different way that churches organize both, both inter-church and intra-church. So both right. the way a, a local church develops itself and the way that churches connect among each other. And that both, in both those ways, these are not going to be hierarchical. They're not going to be power-driven they're not going to be um, uh, emphasizing the the dualism between the clergy and the laity. They're going to be uh, open-handed. They're going to be communal. They're going to be more of um, um, uh, less vertical and more horizontal in their development and their structure. And they're going to be places where people can talk about whatever. They're not we're, a church that that was hell bent on defending it's Lutheran identity and making sure that everybody who joined that church knew full well what it means to be a Lutheran, that kind of church pie isn't going to be that interested in being a part of Emergent. Mm. And, and what separates Emergent from a denomination? Like, like one of the questions, you know, along with that, Josh, was, you know, to me, how is, how is Emergent doing anything different than a Willow Creek Association, for example? Who you know? Do you see emergent moving in that direction? You know, maybe not as a denomination, but an association that people join. We've, and well, we've talked about that. There are significant differences with the Willow Creek Association in that I I think that they they um, you know you pay dues and you get a weekly newsletter. Our weekly newsletter is available to anybody who wants to get it. Uh, we don't give discounts to people. People have pushed us. People have pushed me personally from within Emergent saying, we've got to do what the Willow Creek Association does. There are a lot of churches out there who would pay 149 bucks a year to be an Emergent church and be able to put Emergent logo on their okay. on their website or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe we'll do that. I don't know. I, I, I think the denomination question is easier because we don't do anything that a denomination does. Or we do almost nothing that a denomination does. Okay. So that that's really there's not much of a parallel there. With the Willow Creek Association, 
maybe it's obviously a cons a kind of a consumer market driven model that we don't we're not that savvy we're not nearly as savvy as the people at Willow Creek and you know what's been great as a little side note is that we've kind of actually forged some really nice friendship with some people at Willow Creek like they've approached us and said they really dig what we're about and they'd love to host an emergent event on at their facility sometime which hmm. I would kind of love to do because it would just stick a finger in the eye of everybody who thinks they've really figured out that emergent is the anti mega church movement or of the of the you know 21st century or something oh no actually <laughs> We're doing an event at Willow Creek, so screw you, you know. <laughs> so you don't do you have problems with the mega churches? Uh, I mean, that's I'm, a broad question, I know, but Yeah, I mean, which you want to start naming them and I'll tell you if I Well, no, I'm just saying, okay, let's I the big two, Willow Creek and Saddleback. I mean, you know, we live a stone's throw from Saddleback. I I used to work at Saddleback. I I'm I know a little bit about the inner workings of that church, and I'm stuck a little bit in that mindset. Josh and I talk it all the time, you know. I I think there's a lot of good things about some of that. But. Yeah, I do too. I, I'm not gonna badmouth those guys for what they've done. I, I think that, um, I think that movements, in general, um, that are successful, and uh, that that you can really see God kind of, the spirit of God moving through in an open kind of way, are movements that are particularly. Um, aware of their context and their surroundings. And this is why Bill Hybels is so successful in South Barrington, Illinois, and and other churches that try to replicate Willow Creek in uh, some podunk church in the panhandle of Florida, it doesn't work, or it right. works to a much lesser extent, A, because they're not Bill Hybels, who's obviously a brilliant entrepreneur, and mm -hmm. B, because they're not in South Barrington, Illinois. And the but, ditto for Saddleback, Rick Warren, and wherever Rick Warren's church is. Lake <laughs> well, doesn't that, but doesn't that tick you off a little bit about, you know, the marketing that, that they're doing, that it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's, I look at it, and one of the things I've brought up lately is the Narnia movie and trying to cross promote that. Oh, my gosh, that. dude. I'll tell you and what. Passion. I, and what do you think about that? See, listen, one dude, of the things I know is what, what, what ticks you off about this stuff? I'll tell you what ticks me off. I went to Fuller Seminary in the early 90s before they became the, the school for, you know, the, uh, the, the school that, that the evangelical school that has great connections with Hollywood, right? And now that's their shtick. And they have got a couple of professors that teach that kind of stuff. When mm -hmm. I, every time I get a letter in the mail, from Fuller telling me to go see a movie, it absolutely guarantees I won't see the movie. So I got a letter from them recently that said, um, from a professor there, you know, as a form letter, I mean, it was whatever, is this bulk mailing to all the alumni. Go see Cinderella Man. We've been meeting with the people at the studio. It's a fantastic <laughs> movie with Christian themes of redemption. We have an online... Uh, online study guide for you and your church. And Mel Gibson was an extra. <laughs> Come on. I, really? Seriously, dude. You didn't see him in the crowd? The... Yeah, I won't go see it now. I refuse to see the movie on principle. Because Fuller Frickin' Seminary has been co-opted by Hollywood to, to help them market movies. It drives and, me insane. Gee, what a shock. Gee, what a shock. C.S. Lewis was on the cover of Christianity Today this month. 
Oh yeah. I can't believe yeah. it. You know. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and have you seen the new Superman trailer? No. You got to go check that <laughs> no. out. Oh, dude, you got to go check that out. I'll send you a link. It's um anyway, you find it anywhere online. But basically, it's this whole um uh this basically. The what's the what's Superman's character's name? Kalel or whatever. Anyway, his, yeah. his his dad is saying the people on Earth are worth redeeming, and and I will send my only son. And it shows Superman out in space with his arms outstretched, nice. and then he flies. Anyway, I'm just waiting for that cross promotion. Superman has always been the, a massive Christ figure. Now the question will be: This is the question, right? You didn't see any churches sending out mailers about the Matrix. But there was, there was obviously that that was the film uh, uh, in the last 10 years that really dealt with these themes of a Messiah and resurrection and redemption and... And yeah, reality like, versus perception, you know. Yeah, all what, this, what, right. Yeah. And churches weren't sending out having friggin' Bible study guides about that movie, but it's just the pap like Cinderella Man, the feel-good story of the summer, you know. That the yeah it drives me insane. Beautiful. I, yeah, of course. Now, I can hear the listeners blogging in right now. Um, but the emerging church, you guys write books that get marketed. Well, first of all, I'll tell you this: <clears throat> our books haven't been marketed for shit, and that's been that's one of our massive frustrations. Is that when when we want to? I was in a marketing meeting at a publishing house four years ago when we first were getting into some publishing mm-hmm. and we spent all day with these marketing people. You guys are going to love this. This is going to be beautiful. Okay. Ready? <laughs> I'm ready. All day. Josh, you, Josh, are you ready? Take another, uh, drink. just, Josh, just a second. I will be like the other podcast. <laughs> Gotta go get a beer. Um, these, <sighs> we, oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. Continue. Steve, I can hear you sipping your coffee. <laughs> um, I, um, these all day we sit in these meetings with marketing people and sales people and editorial people and the last hour they bring in some sale, some um book buyers from a couple m- major massive christian bookstore chains right we tell them about these books we want to do and one of them most, is stupid church people but go most ahead of, most of <laughs> which we've already most of which we've already published like this book with <clears throat> that Brian McLaren and Tony Campolo wrote together and wait, right. you know, Adventures of Missing, missing yeah. Point, right? Great book. Stuff like this. These the, we we're telling them about all these books. We've got the covers designed, we've got the tables of contents, etc. And they go, "Well, these are great. We'd read them. These are these young guys are probably in their late 20s, you know. But we can't we won't be putting these books in our bookstores." Huh. Like, "Why? What well, you got to understand, and this is exactly what they told me. you got to understand, Christ, people who own Christian bookstores buy books for one person, and that person who walks into their store, and you know who that is? It's a 57-year-old, conservative, woman. white, evangelical woman. Right. That's so that's why, we see George, that's why we see George Bush's life-size things in the front of the store. Yeah. You know? And, and they buy books... And they buy books for their grandkids, and they buy books for their husbands, but they're the ones who buy the books. And they're not going to buy a book that says on the table of contents that the church has missed the point on evangelism, or the church has missed the point on worship, or whatever, you know, and have this black, harsh cover. Sorry. I mean, great book, but no one's going to buy it at, well, at our even, bookstores. 
even before the rash of C.S. Lewis books recently, you wouldn't find a lot of C.S. Lewis in the bookstores or, or you know, T.S. Eliot or Frederick Beekner or – Oh, yeah, you, you know, can't th- find Frederick Beekner at a Christian no. bookstore. And you, no, couldn't, be- you couldn't find – other than mere Christianity, you couldn't find any C.S. Lewis 10 years ago, but now suddenly he's become the patron saint of evangelicals. And, right. You know, hey, he, real quick about books, you know, and, and to be fair to you, you know, on the on – the, um, on the blog that I wrote, I talked about, you know, getting paid and making books. And I understand how the Christian book market works, you know, in many ways. I don't in a lot of ways, obviously, or I'd have one maybe. But um, but one of the things, you know, to have a bestseller as a Christian book, you know, you're not talking about a lot of book sales, A. And B, uh, you're not making a lot of money on those books. That's I'm, I'm right. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've written five books, and I've probably made uh, over the last five years. I've written these five books, and I've probably made a grand total of twenty thousand dollars. And are you at the point where you're getting an advance now? I mean, not to get too personal, but are you yeah, at that I point? get an advance. Yeah, right. Okay. I have an agent now because I'm I'm because I I I hired an agent because I think I'm a pretty good writer, and I don't think I've been getting the support from the publishing houses on my own that I need to write really good books. So I felt like I needed someone else to help me do that. Yeah, I'm actually uh, Steve's agent. Oh, really? (laughs) How's that working out for you, Steve? Um, You know, the stupid, the stupid church people book is still in process and we're shipping it around and um, yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing how that goes. Yeah. We're going to use a cafe press. (laughs) Does that be online? That's a, that's a free personal, uh, Publishing. Hey, now what we did is we asked some of our listeners to ask some questions, and uh, we've kind of incorporated them into some of this. Um, but one that was very, very, I thought, enlightening and spiritual, and we kind of want to transition now uh, into some deeper stuff. But uh, Jeff, Jeff wrote us, uh, do you agree with Josh that Steve is in fact a bitch? And how does that fact relate to stupid church ecclesiology? <laughs> I saw that question. And I... <laughs> You, you, no think, response. Come I on. think I have no comment. <laughs> as as emergency official spokesperson. Yeah. No <laughs> yeah. They also asked you to fart in a microphone, but I figured we wouldn't do that either. Um, Although I did have some sweet green curry for dinner that I picked oh. up on the way home from church, and I left my kids alone in the minivan for about three minutes. Don't tell my wife. And I ran and got this curry. So if you call me back in about six hours, I can definitely hook you up there. Yeah, so uh, so far so good, huh, Steve? You know, I think it I think it started out well. We, you know, my goal was to start with a common ground, and so I figured you two could hit it off with beer. Yes. And Most yet, men you know, like beer, except for Steve, who. Yes, I drink vodka and cranberry, and Tony has pointed that out that he thinks I'm I may be, um, you know, a little effeminate by just asking really? for a vodka cran. Well, the funny thing is how much beer <laughs> he's been drinking lately. Oh yeah, none. <laughs> yeah. He, he couldn't he even have... he, he couldn't even buy Paps Blue Ribbon, you know, <laughs> the crap so, that's like 
30 beers for a dollar. So, man, we got to, you know, maybe maybe if nothing else, we all just support the Tony Beer Fund, you know. Yeah, you know, that might even, that might be the best way to support the emergent. Maybe that's what Brian should have said. Brian should just come on and go, hey, dudes, hey, Tony needs beer. Okay? He couldn't even, and, uh, he can't even buy beer uh, because so, so, he doesn't have any money. But, you know, hey, and, and yet at the same time, I know he's put a lot of personal sacrifice into it. And his uh-huh. wife, you know, as as he said, is, is uh, yeah, I mean, his wife, it sounds like, is very supportive. And, and I know at times she probably thinks he's he's crazy. But, you know, who 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 of us hasn't been crazy and our wives tell us, you know, oh, you're yeah. nuts for doing this. So, so, uh, so far, so good. I like uh, what I'm hearing so far. And, uh, but, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, to more of the conversation, as it were. So check us out at stupidchurchpeople.com. Email us if you have any questions at stupid at stupidchurchpeople.com. Or go to the website and just leave a comment. We would like to hear from you. Right, Josh? Uh, yes, and also if you ever get on Gizmo. Oh, look, yeah. Yeah, look me up. Stupid Josh. Yes. One word, stupid Josh. You can talk yeah. to me. Yeah, don't look up me. I don't want to talk to you. Well, yeah, because Steve is a queer. And he Jeez. he likes men, so if you start Jeez. talking to him and you are a ma- male, uh, he might uh, start hitting on you. And Tony calls me mean. Dude, you're like the meanest son of a bitch I've ever met. You know, the funny thing is I love you so much, dude. <laughs> it, it's like, it's all love. Now, see, what we're doing is we're we're showing a personal attack. You calling me a queer is a personal attack. There's a see, difference. I know, but, it, but if you're tight with the person, it's different. Right, I got you. I you got know what you. I so, mean? It's it's yeah. more like, hey, what's up, faggot? Hey! Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's cool. They, you're like the Fonz over here. Hey! hey, hey. <laughs> Come yeah, on, it's fonts. all good. When did you grow up, dude? Yeah, hey, but at least That's... I know the Fonz, bitch. 